Good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. Why don't you join us in worship this morning?
Bless the Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. How are everybody doing? I know that's right. I know that's right, B. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody here. We have any visitors? We have visitors cards on the table and maybe back there at the other table there. And as you enter, we'd like for you to fill out those cards that we may know that you have visited with us. We have tithe box back here on this table and at the entrance. If you want, you can tithe there or go to www.bridge.com and you can tithe there. And, um, Anybody has any prayer requests or praise requests that they anything they want to let us know about that? Good. Okay, that's Miss Jean and Miss Sheila. All right, anybody else? Uh, let's keep Miss Minnie and her family in our prayers. I talked to her yesterday. Uh, and she was telling me about some things that's going on in that family there, you know, so we'll keep her in prayer. Yes. Fields? Okay. Anybody else? Have you anything you want to... Yeah, let's keep our uh, pastor and Joel lifted up and the families there because the Lord attacks them on a regular basis. And let's just keep the whole church family of this body, you know, in prayer. Just like this pandemic, we got to lay it at his feet. It ain't for us. No, no. Go through. We got to go through this, and we got to put, let know God is in control. God's complete control. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we're just so grateful, Father, for the many blessings you give us each and every days of our lives. Lord, we just lift these. These prayers up to you, Lord. Have your will in your way. We pray for our servicemen and women abroad that allow us our freedoms. We lift our pastors up to you, Lord. May you guide them, keep them, keep, keep them safe. Put a hedge of protection around them and their families. Uh, we ask you to take the tithes, make it multiply to further your kingdom. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. From the moment that I wake up 
Why don't you just go ahead and put your hands together and give him some praise this morning? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14. I had thought we would go back to Luke 15 again this morning and look at the parable of the prodigal son that we looked at last week. There is just so much in that text um, to glean. But, but I believe that this is where the Lord would have us to go this morning. Matthew chapter number 14. We'll begin reading together in verse number 22. The Bible says, In straightway Jesus... constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place 
had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being able to gather here with your people today. To gather around your word. May it convict us, challenge us, change us. Conform us into the image of your son. Please make us more like Jesus today than what we were yesterday. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. Increase our faith to trust you in the tumultuous times. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have a pastor friend whose name is Brian Ezel. Many of you know him. He's preached here in our church. He actually preached in the old building when we were up on side of 17. One time while Brian was here, he was talking about taking a vacation with his family. Brian and his family liked to take cruises. He said that they always traveled the same time of the year because at certain times of the year, Cruise companies reduced their rates dramatically. That is, you can go on a cruise cheaper sometimes during the year than you can go with others. Now, it dawned on me in our conversation that the time Brian likes to save money and go on vacation is during hurricane season. <laughs> and I was just kind of flabbergasted that Brian thought that was the premier time to take a cruise. And I guess some might call him frugal. Some might suggest that he's foolish. But might it possibly be that Pastor Brian just has enough faith to believe in God even during hurricane season? We're all familiar with that season of the year here on the coast from 
June to November. In the text before us, the disciples find themselves in a storm. There is so much that could be learned and gleaned from this text. And I don't mean to state the obvious. But I would suggest to you that as a Christian, as a believer, you can count on storms. Amen. They are constant. We don't always see the result of them on our coastline. But it seems as though... Tropical storms are faithful. There is a certainty that we as individual believers and as a corporate body of Christ will encounter storms in life. Every day for the Christians, not a mountaintop experience. There are days that each of us will spend in what we call the valleys of life. And I want to submit to you that the Christian community, the church as we know it, is in the midst of hurricane season. There is legislation before our Senate right now that seeks to criminalize, criminalize conservative Christians who believe this book. There is a pastor named James Coates who pastors in Alberta, Canada. James, unless something has changed within the last couple of days that I haven't read about, is in a maximum security prison. He's imprisoned with rapists and murderers and thieves because he refused to stop gathering on Sunday morning in the church that God has entrusted him to pastor. All he had to do was call off services. In fact, he could get out right now. The crown has promised to let him go if he would promise not to have any more services until the mandate is lifted. But Pastor James and his wife Aaron seem to understand something that many of us have forgotten. And that is, it is better to please God than man. We have lived quite comfortably in the United States as Christians. We've enjoyed freedom like no other place on this planet to gather and worship and to preach truth. 
But I would submit to you that Canada is not alone in their endeavor to silence conservative Christians. We're in hurricane season. We're in hurricane season corporately together as the body of Christ. And then individually and personally, isn't it true that none of us seem to be exempt from storms? Have you noticed how suddenly they happen? Well, it's only been just a couple of weeks ago I was laying in my bed and my phone went to making an alarm sound. I thought it must have been an amber alert or something. So I didn't even pick up my phone and looked at it, and I heard my wife take a great gulp. <gasps> and then she informed me that there was a tornado on the way. And so I got up, and I looked at my phone, and sure enough, there was a tornado, not warning, I mean not watch, but a warning on my phone. And it was supposed to be within the next five minutes. I had five minutes warning that a tornado, not much you can do in five minutes time. And my wife said, well, get up, we're going to Blair's house. And I'm like, honey, we can't drive to Blair's house in five minutes. But she won the argument. And we drove to Blair's house. Now, we were fortunate, and unlike many in our community, we were unscathed and had no property damage. But some folks had less than five minutes because that's the way storms sometimes happen. They come without seemingly any warning at all. But, but then there are storms that we know about way before they ever arrive. When hurricane season rolls around, they'll begin announcing tropical storms on other continents headed our way. And so people have plenty of time to prepare and, 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 and get ready, embrace for the storm that's coming. We're all real familiar with the term around here, mandatory evacuation. That is, they've seen a storm out on the sea somewhere, and they give us enough warning to get out of town. And yet, time and time again, people refuse to follow with the advice that they're given. I'm like the comedian James Gregory. I wish somebody would explain to me the miracle of plywood. Yeah. 
million dollar house and somehow a $30 sheet of plywood's what you want to put your faith in. I don't understand that. I believe that from a spiritual perspective, storms typically come from one of four places. One of four sources. In our text, each the disciple made the choice to get in the ship. And what I take away from that is, is Frank Stanley doesn't need any help getting into trouble. I can do it all by myself. And some of the storms that we encounter in life while we would like to point our finger and blame someone else, we've had plenty of time to prepare. But we've chosen the storms that we surround ourselves with. And then we know from other storms encountered by the disciples that some storms in our lives are satanically inflicted. In fact, we have Jesus... On the sea in another place with his disciples and in the midst of the storm, the Bible says that he rebuked the wind and the waves laid down. The term for rebuked there is the same word that Jesus uses when he rebukes devils and Satan. Satan would like to sink your ship. But then there are some storms that I believe are situational. We find ourselves in them because that's just the way that life is. Sometimes we get caught up in spiritual storms because of the crew that we sail with. Some of the folks, we surround ourselves. You ever notice misery truly does love company? But what about, what about when those storms are sent by God? More specifically and pointedly to the text, what about when God sends you into the storm? You see, Joel, they're really on this boat because the text says Jesus constrained them to get in the ship. The word constrained carries the idea of commanded. He required of them to get into the ship and go to the other side. Do you think Jesus didn't know this storm was coming? And immediately when they leave in the ship, Jesus goes up into the mountain and he starts praying. 
Now, we're not told what Jesus prayed, but, but I'm, I'm convinced that he did not pray that the disciples would not enter into a storm. If he would have, it would have never happened. And, and, and I don't mean to read into the text here, but I have often wondered, and this is just my speculation, it's, it's not deep theology, but if maybe Jesus didn't ask for this storm, regardless, he sent them into it. You see, there's things that God can teach you in the midst of a storm. Lessons that you'll never learn when the sun's shining. Now, we'll see here in just a little bit that the problem with the disciples emerges very quickly in the middle of the storm And it's the strength of their faith. Your faith will never become stronger stronger if it's never stretched. The question is not, Miss Natalie, will you and I encounter storms? But I believe the question we ought to put to ourselves this morning is what will we do when Jesus sends us into one? Now we know according to Scripture that even religious folks in Jesus' day could play the part of a meteorologist. That is, they were able to predict weather and fashion. In, in, in fact, Jesus says to the Pharisees that when evening, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning you say it will be fair weather because... The sky is red and lowering. So Jesus is in the church, and, and he's talking to, to not weathermen. By the way, wouldn't that be a pretty good job to have? You ain't, you ain't even got to do your job right. <laughs> he, he's not talking to weathermen. He's talking to religious leaders, and he says, you're able to look up into the sky and tell what the weather's going to be like in the morning and in the evening. Now, this crew that Jesus is sending out on the ocean, they're, they're not religious leaders. These are professional fishermen. These men make their lives on the ocean. And so certainly if anybody in Jesus' day and time ought to study the weather in order to be able to determine what the seas were going to be like, it would have been men like Peter and 
James and John who made it their business to be out on the ocean. And so I'm thinking to myself, according to the text, it's evening time. So according to Jesus, they ought to have been able to look out on the horizon and get some kind of idea at least what the weather was going to be like. Now, I don't know, but let's just assume for a moment that Peter and James and John and the disciples that got on this ship got onto it and knowingly sailed into a storm. Now, I don't know that that's the case. But if it is, then we must answer the question, why would they have went into a dangerous situation with their eyes wide open? Might it be because that's exactly what God told them to do? And they understood with the psalmist that the good shepherd will lead you in the paths of righteousness. I didn't say the good shepherd will lead you to do the easy thing or even the safe thing. But Jesus will always lead you to do the right thing. Even when the right thing seems absurd to everybody else. And, and so I'm forced to grapple with this question this morning. Will we follow Jesus regardless of the forecast? When everyone and Everybody is telling you to take one path. And Jesus has already commanded you to take another. I'll promise you, more often than not, the path that the world puts in front of you will always be the path of least resistance. Smooth sailing. When Jesus sends his disciples into a storm. I, I believe that we found ourselves living in a time in our country where American Christians, folks like you and me, need to make up our mind that we're going to follow Jesus regardless of what anybody says. It won't make you popular. And you're not going to please everybody doing it. And there might come a time they put you in jail for it. But it's time that the church put its feet down and said, I'm going to do it because God said to do it. 
we learn from this text that we must choose to follow Jesus even when it's difficult. Anybody can follow Jesus when the sun's shining and the birds are singing. But what do we do when the rubber really meets the road? When the challenges of life set in and the thunder's crashing and the lightning's flashing, will we get in the boat and head for the other side? Knowing there's a storm between us and our destination. Now, in order to do that, we must choose faith over fear. The disciples are in the midst of the storm. In the midst, according to the text, of the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know, maybe it did surprise them. But, but anyway, the winds are contrary. It's literally beating violently against the sides of the ship. Jesus, in the fourth watch of the night, comes walking across the water. And they did not recognize him, but according to the scripture, thought that they had seen a spirit or a ghost. And they were afraid. Now, now they had just left Jesus on the seashore. They get out into the midst, I'm thinking maybe halfway through their journey. And here comes Jesus. It's not that they didn't see him. The Bible says they saw him. But they saw him and didn't even recognize him. And their hearts were gripped with fear. And friend, when all you can see is your situation, you can miss Jesus no matter how close he actually is. And so they're, they're afraid. We're making a lot of decisions and choices anymore and far too many Christians are operating by fear instead of faith. Amen. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not improbable, impossible. And if we make our decisions, our life choices based in fear, rooted and grounded in fear, listen, we'll see stuff that ain't even there. 
They, they, they see a ghost, hopes coming across the water, and they see it as a ghost. I don't know that the church, since I've been alive, has seen a time where Christians are more afraid than they are right now. You know, one thing that has become really apparent to me is that storms don't recognize a calendar date. Sometimes they just blow through kind of fast. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? That tornado, man, it, it, it come and, and, and was gone before I ever even made it to the car. But then some just kind of seem to linger, hang around. You, you know, we've been talking for a year now, over a year. I, I remember people talking about back last February and March and April and May and June and, and July. I can't wait till 2021 gets here. Well, I don't know if you recognized it or not, but COVID didn't seem to pay any attention to January the 1st. The turmoil that's taking place in our country doesn't seem to recognize they missed out on making their New Year's resolutions. And if we're waiting on a date in the future to change our situation so that then we can walk by faith and not by sight, you're going to live in fear forever. And Jesus... God in the flesh. He doesn't say, well, you know, guys, maybe y'all shouldn't be so afraid right now. No, he gave them a command, an order, a mandate. Do not be afraid. For it is I. Now, we read in the text that the storm has not ceased yet. But when Jesus starts speaking, apparently, at least Peter recognizes his voice. He, he hears Jesus' words. And then this is what he says. Lord bids me, if it be thou, bids me to come unto you on the water. Now, I always get kind of tickled when I read that at first because who else could it be walking on the water but Jesus? But, but nevertheless, it was, listen, it was when, when Peter heard the words of Jesus could I say it this way? I just believe that Jesus was, is, and always will be God. So what we have is when Jesus is speaking, Bible's rolling off his lips. And something happens inside of Peter when he hears the word of God 
that wasn't taking place just a few minutes ago. And he says, Lord, bids me to come unto thee on the water. The water's still tossing. The wind's still blowing. The boat's still rocking. Thunder's still booming. Lightning's still flashing. And rain's still falling. And he says, Lord, I just got to get to you. Bids me to come unto thee on the water. And in that moment, Peter does something that man has never done before. Not regular, ordinary guys like you and me. And he gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the storm that he was so afraid of only moments ago. Now I'm thinking to myself, why only Peter? There's 12 guys in this boat. Peter gets out and turns his storm into a surfing opportunity. But, but you still got, listen, you still got 12 guys sitting here shaking in the boat. Hey, l- l- c- c- could I ask you something this morning? Those of you that are sitting with us here and those of you that are joining with us online. Are you walking on water or sitting and shaking in the boat? And if we're honest with ourselves, there's more Christians today sitting in the boat doing nothing. While men like James Coates and his wife Aaron are surfing in the storm. I don't know about you, but I don't want to sit here and shake when God's given us an opportunity to walk on water. But in order to walk on water, you got to first get out of the boat. You can stomp around and splash in that little puddle in your boat. And call it walking on water if you want to. But it wasn't until he got out of the boat. That he was able to walk on water. And there's some of us sitting in church this morning. And we ain't walking on water because we're still in the boat. Oh, you, you worked up the courage to get up and come to church this morning. But are you walking on water? You see, Ian, in order to walk on water, in order to get out of the boat, there's a couple things have to happen in your life. First, before you can get out of the boat, you've got to turn your back on the crowds. There's 12 men sitting in this boat. When Peter gets out of it, all of them's behind him. Boy, we need some water walkers, I'm telling you. You see, the the, the reason so many people are sitting in the boat, I believe, 
is because that boat represents their comfort zone. It's that place that they're comfortable. Man, they've trusted in this boat for years, been fishing out of the same boat for decades, and to get outside of it means they've got to get beyond their comfort zone. And they've got to leave that crowd in the boat. Can you imagine the conversation that's taking place in the boat when Peter steps out? I can almost hear a Baptist deacon or pastor saying, Peter, we don't do stuff like that around here. Get back in this boat. And, and I'm afraid, listen, the reason some of us are living in fear is because we're too concerned about what other people think. Listen, I'm not going to pat you on the back and tell you what a fine job you're doing if you're living your life in fear. I'm not going to be that person. I'll not be the pastor to lead you to rebel against the Word of God that says 365 plus times in His Scripture, be not afraid. Wherever fear came from, I can promise you it didn't come from God. My Bible still says God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of faith and love and a sound mind. And I, I just believe that spiritually speaking, it's God's will that all of us are surfing rather than sitting. Walking on water rather than sitting in the boat trembling. You got to turn your back on the crowd. Turn your back on your comfort level, your comfort zone. You know, we, we all have a comfort level. And we have comforting things around us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let, let, let me give you an example. Since three of you know, I'll tell the rest of you. <laughs> we took a trip when Blair and Gabriel were little to Alabama. And... When I say Gabriel was little, I'm talking about not walking little. He, he's still in a... Yeah. And, and if it's got wheels on a stroller, you can push him around. And while we were there, one of our relatives bought him... I think it's supposed to be an alligator. I've still not really figured out to this day what it is. But man, it's just like Gabriel automatically fell in love with that thing. And from then on, you wouldn't see him without it. When it come bedtime, he let you know you needed to get what he named his stinky. I don't know where the name come from. But we thought that was so cute. You know? 
he, he'd cuddle with that thing, and it become like his, his um, security blanket. Y- y'all know what that is, right? My sister had one of them growing up. She, she, it was my mama's gown, old gown. She called it her silky. Whenever she would get frightened or afraid or scared, she'd get that silky. She'd literally lay down in the bed at night, and she'd hold it to her face and, and, and do this. And, and That was her, her, secure, her comfort. Now, Gabriel Stinky was cute when he was a year old. It was still kind of cute when he got to be three. At five years old, he still got this thing, man. Now, he's drugged this thing around the house for five years now. Eyes falling off, dirty, nasty, been washed a hundred times, and now it's starting to smell like its name. But it was still cute at five years old. But when you get 15, <laughs> what used to be cute now gets embarrassing. We're literally riding down the road in my truck. Gabriel, I don't remember how old he was, but I'm sure by this time he's already a teenager, Joel. And I look over there at my son that's bigger than I am. And then I look between us in the seat of the truck. And there lay Stinky. <laughs> and it just, it just got all over me. I don't know what I was thinking. But before I even thought about what I was doing, I rolled my window down. I grabbed Stinky and I threw him out the window. Oh, no. <laughs> Sometimes you got to grow up. Oh, don't awe me. I went back and got it, okay? (laughs) He's packed up in storage somewhere, I'm sure. And I would be willing to bet... My sister is married, a successful businesswoman, literally does, trains men in CrossFit. But I would be willing to bet that if you went to her house, it ain't going to be laid out in the living room for everybody to see. But somewhere, there's a silky tucked away. It was cute when she was a little girl. But friends, sometimes you got to grow up. Sometimes Jesus will send you into a storm. And he's got a purpose in it. The purpose was to stretch their faith. You see, there's things that you'll learn in the storm that you cannot learn when the sun's shining. Could could 
Can I push it just a little bit? Because these men, having had their faith stretched and tested by the Lord Jesus Christ, grew and mature and developed and become stronger. And then the Roman government sent a storm. Peter was crucified, according to tradition, hanging upside down. The apostle John, who was in this boat, was banished to the Isle of Patmos, imprisoned for his faith. Not one of the apostles, apart from the apostle John, lived to what would have been their life expectancy. Every single one of them, including the apostle Paul, not only risked their lives... But they gave their lives for the gospel and their faith. Now, I'm going to say something right here. It's going to make some folks mad. And that'll be okay. I got broad shoulders. I can take it. We're sitting at home behind closed doors. Afraid to go anywhere or do anything because we're worried we might get sick. Now, I'm, I'm just wondering, as these legislative laws continue to make their way through Senate, and it becomes illegal to stand on the principles of this book, to do what scripture commands and requires of us to do. How many of you will choose faith over fear? Did you hear why I told you James Coates is in prison right now? Maximum security prison. Quite simply because he refused not to go to church. You see, he believed that just as Jesus constrained, commanded, required of the disciples to get in the ship. So God has constrained, commanded, and required... Of his life and ours. That we don't just quote scripture. We obey scripture. I don't know if you've ever noticed it or not. But God's not in the business of giving suggestions. He's in the business of giving commandments. Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 25 is not a suggestion. 
It's a command. When God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. When James Coates read those words, he heard them as being the words that rolled off the lips of Jesus standing in the middle of the storm. It was God's word. God's requirement. And I believe, Billy, I believe with every fiber of my being, I said 11, I think it's 10. Those of you that are looking for the text, Hebrews 10, 25 maybe. Okay. So, 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 so here's the thing. I, I, I want to I I challenge us. I, I think if we just gather here this morning and, and nothing changes in our lives, then we've wasted our time. I really believe when, when we come to God's word, it ought to always challenge us and change us. We ain't everything that we can be. And so I, I want to challenge each of us that we're entering into a place like we've never known before. To stand on the principles of this book is going to do more than make you feel uncomfortable anymore. It, it's about to get dangerous. When, when I said we're in hurricane season, I wasn't playing. I wasn't trying to be funny or silly. I was being serious. And I really believe that God's looking to a church to stand up. To turn your back on what's comfortable. To turn your back on the crowd that won't go with you. And make a stand. Now Peter gets out of the boat... And here's where it gets really dangerous for especially those of us that are gathered in here this morning. Right here's where it gets really dangerous, I believe, for Peter. You, you see, when Jesus calls Peter, he says, come unto me. Peter, literally, I believe this stuff. I hope y'all do. Peter steps over the side of the boat and starts walking to Jesus. And then the Bible says the storm the wind got boisterous. It intensified. Now, 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 now here, here's, here's the thing. I believe the most dangerous point in all of the narrative is when Jesus gets out of the boat and is walking by faith. Because there is a temptation right here. To build ourselves up. I can almost look at Peter. I, I can see me. Billy look what I'm doing bro. You ain't never seen nothing like this before. And the Bible says pride always goes before destruction. L listen. There is a difference in doing what is right. For the right reasons. And being arrogant about it. The wind was boisterous. L listen to me. When you decide to make this stand, 
I'll promise you the enemy's going to hit you harder than he ever has before. He wants to sink you now. You're not in the ship anymore. Now he's got to sink you. And, 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 and the Bible says when Peter, check this out. Think about this for just a moment. When Peter saw the wind. No, nah, that ain't what it says. When he saw the wind. I think this is important, sister. Have you ever noticed you can't see wind? You can see the effects of it. It don't, it don't say he saw the waves. Don't say that he saw the boat rocking any harder. It said he saw the wind. And then he began to sink. The enemy does not care what you're looking at as long as you're not looking at Jesus. He don't care if you're looking at fairy tales as long as you're not focused on Jesus. And, and, and it was in that moment that Jesus, as soon as his eyes come off the Lord, that he began to sink. And, and, and I think you and I need to, need to own the reality that it doesn't matter how super spiritual we are. If we take our eyes off Jesus, we're going down. If you get distracted by anything or anyone else and, and take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to sink. And, and, and you see, here's, here's, here's how some of us are living our lives and making our decisions. Rather than looking at Jesus, we're looking at what everybody else is saying on Facebook. Rather than looking at Jesus, we're looking at what the church is doing down the road. Rather than looking at Jesus, we're looking at what they're saying on mainstream media. And I'll promise you, when you get your eyes off of Jesus, it doesn't matter how spiritual you were a few minutes ago, man, you're on your way down. But thank God Peter recognizes it. He sees it. He's sinking, and he just cries out the sweetest and most powerful prayer we may read about in all of Scripture, and it's, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And Jesus... Jesus reaches down. Still standing on the storm that's destroying Peter's life. And lifts him up. And then he says this. Oh, you of little faith. Wait, wait a minute. Just a, just a second ago. By faith, Peter's walking on water. And now, his problem is that his faith is decreasing. He's got more faith than anybody in the boat a while ago. And now he has to cry out again, Lord, save me. And Jesus says, this is why, Peter. 
Why did you doubt? Why did, why did your faith begin to falter? D does anybody... Does anybody in this sanctuary, I wonder how many honest people are in here this morning. I wonder how many people in here this morning would be honest enough to admit that in the past months, my faith has been like a roller coaster ride. I mean, one man, man, I'm believing and I'm standing firm and I'm not bending and I'm not giving in. And the next minute, good night. And, 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 and I find myself over there in the corner crying somewhere. God, what happened to me? Let me tell you what happened to you. It's the same thing that happened to me. That happened to Peter. We took our eyes off Jesus and got them on somebody else. I, I want to challenge you this morning. You, you see, even for faithful followers of Christ, there's times in our lives, just like Peter's, that we just need to cry out, Lord, save me. Amen. Save me from who? Save me from you. Not save me from you, save you from you. I told you, Miss Rona, I don't have any problem. I, I don't need no help getting myself in trouble. Nobody comes up to me and takes my head and turns it away from Jesus. I'm the one that picks up that telephone. I'm the one that follows the news feed. You is too. So as we close this morning, stand to our feet. Or our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask that Joe and Adam and Miss Blair make your way back to the platform. And, and, and I want to close this service... In, in maybe a little different way this morning. But because I want to speak specifically to Christians. Those of you sitting here this morning and those of you that are joining with us online. The choices and the decisions that you're making today are you truly making those choices and decisions based on faith? Faith in the Word of God and all of His promises. Or could it be true that you've made some decisions even this week, maybe even this morning, that were really rooted and grounded in fear? rather than faith if that's you this morning and you found your place slipping and sinking I want to invite you to find yourself a place in this altar and just cry simply Lord save me save me 
If that's not you, I'm going to confess as your pastor that in the months that have passed, I have found myself, man, up and down and in and out and bent over and bent backwards. And and I'm just going to confess to you, I've been on a faith, emotional roller coaster ride. So if you're too proud to pray for yourself, maybe you'd just like to find a place to pray for me and preacher Joel. He ain't as spiritual as you think he is. We always need your prayers, don't we, Joel? Pray for my wife as she's flying home this afternoon. I'm going to sleep for three days when she gets back. (laughs) Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that you've given us the potential to leave here different than what we showed up this morning. God, take this invitation, use it for your gain and for your glory. Do whatever you want to with it. We'll be careful to give you the praise for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Won't you come?
Dave and Rona um, are, are here this morning. Both have been saved and baptized by immersion and are looking for, were looking uh, for a church family, uh, a place to call home and put down roots and get involved. And so they've made the decision to unite with us here at the bridge. Why don't, just go ahead and put your hands together. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. You know, we, we, we always try to encourage people. We want you to be where God puts you at um, because that's where you'll be able to be most effective for him and, and it's about him and his kingdom amen um, so I want you to come down and welcome Dave and Rona into the family here at the bridge um, we'll have a um, upcoming new members class uh, we'll be getting started soon we've got uh, Dave and Rona Miss Patsy Miss Linda um, God's God's working amen Amen. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. We're not going to dismiss. Just come on and welcome them into the family here, and we'll get them connected and hooked up. Wow. Love you, brother.